Welcome to Authority Optional, Leadership Beyond the Rulebook. Today, we are talking about mentorship, which is a very critical thing when it comes to leading not only yourself, but others. Uh, we're going to talk about how it works when you're mentoring others. We're going to talk about how you can lead yourself by finding mentorship and a lot of different ways that you can do that. Enjoy the show. There was an air quote there if you're listening to the cast. Yes. For, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's good. It's good pod. <laughs> you do visual, visual cues. How you doing today, Josh? Good. Yeah? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I'm doing fantastic. Yeah. Fucking fantastic. Love being here on the show. <laughs> Our live studio audience. Our live studio audience. <laughs> All right. So as mentioned at the intro, we're we're talking today about mentors, which is near and dear to my heart. I both love having mentors and being one. I can think of a couple right off the top of my head. In fact, I've even mentioned one. Uh, he was my favorite boss and he is still one of my mentors, whether he likes to admit it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's start. You, what do you think? Do we, should we start with leading others or leading ourselves? Because both of those are good directions to go. You know, I, I think we start with leading others. Just the the way things have, have been going, we're building a team, we're building trust, we're, we're building our own intent into the culture, we're getting their input and context. I think in, in the aspects of leading others, and then there's a, a really great transition today where we're going to talk about leading yourself and actually your own personal growth, because that's important as well. You, you can't develop a growth mindset for others and neglect it for yourself. Well said. So... One of the things that is super key to know about, well, I won't say key to know, it, it has been incredibly important for me to realize is that you're not always going to be the ideal mentor for the people that work for you. You can be, you can, you, and you should be trying. Absolutely. But I have found that sometimes the person that you work for doesn't quite fit exactly what you need in a particular time or in a particular way. I can think of a boss that I had that I really enjoyed working for. She did not lead at all in the style that I lead in. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of ways that she leads that I disagree with. But I loved working for her. And one of the things that I really appreciated about her and was specific to me is that she could basically tell somebody to fuck off and they would worship her for it. Now that appeals to me. <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows. <laughs> That's clearly a skill. It is very much a skill. Anybody who knows me knows that I like to tell people to fuck off when the appropriate situation presents itself. Because sometimes you just have to. I, that's my personal belief. It's also Adam Carolla's personal belief, in case you in case you like that guy. My first encounter with her was a an employee that I had. It was He was a leader at, I, when I took over the team. And if you've listened to the show so far, you might know that the team I took over was a shit show. And this guy was one of the shit shows. But he had something valuable to offer in this particular case because he knew this woman long, long, long before she became my mentor. This was years before um, and or long before I, I worked for her, I'll say. She actually became a mentor of mine before she became my leader because of this scenario. She had a reputation for not putting up with anybody's bullshit. And in a corporate environment, that's impressive because if you can make it up into the 
higher echelons of middle management without putting up with other people's bullshit, <laughs> you're kind of a special case. <laughs> and this guy that I talked to before I ever met this woman was telling me what a badass she is. And then I met her and she is, she was in fact a badass. She's, she's very honest. She's brutally honest, but she's also entirely lovable. And I think that that's maybe, I, I was trying to capture that, but I'm not, I, I would not call myself lovable. Uh, <laughs> you know, we all have our strengths. <laughs> we, have our, we have our strengths. We have our weaknesses. Lovability is not necessarily one of my strengths. I can accept that. And in the end, that's, you know, there became a limit to how much she could help me with this being able to tell people to fuck off in a way that still made them really like you. You could only go so far. It's it's like asking somebody with an OCD, teach you how to be organized. That's not really within their power. They just, they need to, they have to, it's their superpower. You, Superman can't teach you how to fly. So she kind of had a superpower and this ability to be brutally honest with people and have them still really like her and respect her. And when she became my boss, I got to know a lot more about her and why this worked and, and, you know, some of the intricacies and nuances of it. But when I worked for her, that was not necessarily like, I didn't really consider her a mentor because by the time I worked for her, we had already been talking a lot over the course of a couple of years. And I pretty much gotten out of her what I was going to get out of her being able to, you know, try to attempt this superpower. And that's, that's kind of important to know. I like... If you're going to lead others, you, this, is, this is a very long winding road to tell you, you're not always going to be appropriate for what that person needs at a particular time, especially if you're leading leaders. Yeah. Leading leaders is, it's more complicated. They, they, these people have already developed to a certain degree, most likely, if they're, especially if they're any good at it. And you're just not always going to be the right thing at the right time for them. Yeah. Context. So we, we've talked in past weeks about who the experts really are. So if you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes to this point, we had a, a story where I went to Max as a new employee of his and asked uh, uh, some specifics around processes, around procedures. And he's removed from that role by four or five years at that point. And he sent me to the experts, which were my peers that do those things every single day. I want to delineate also in the idea of being a mentor because it's not always who can teach you to do your job more efficiently, streamline pieces, mm. you know, increase sales, revenue, the returns on investment. Those are all things that factor in. There are people that work for you on your teams who are probably perfectly equipped and can get the developmental experience of coaching somebody else on your team to teach them pieces of how to do the job. Sometimes as a manager, that's going to be a part of your role. Mentorship to me is that next echelon of growth, knowledge, skill gap, closure. And you're absolutely right, because there are times where you're not going to have the knowledge and your best step as a leader is to open doors for people. Talk to somebody who has that skill set. I've had instances where I've had employees that I've set up with one-on-ones with Max, for instance, to come in, sit down, have discussions because he has a certain perspective that I don't, that I believe would benefit them. And it's about facilitating, organically facilitating that context. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we turned on tape today it bugs me when we do things like let's have a, a mentorship program and we have, OK, we have five leaders who want to be mentors and we have 10 people who want to be mentees. And so we just start assigning people. Yeah, 
there needs to be a specific reason. There needs to be a chemistry. Um, you know, Max and I obviously share some sort of chemistry. You know, we've known each other for a long time. And in an interim where I haven't worked for him for the last two years, we still talk regularly. And a lot of times it's about you know, development, growth, the podcasts we're listening to, the books we're reading, communication, how we're getting better as just being good humans. Yeah. Those are the things that I think when we're talking about building a culture are overlooked. I would agree with that. Yes. Anding to what you were talking about, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, getting assigned there, there can be value. If you're, if you find yourself in a situation where, you're being reached out to like who wants to be mentored and who would like to do some mentoring and a bunch of people raise their hands. It can be valuable if there is some care and some calories burned by trying to understand what the chemistry might be. So you as a mentee, what would you like to learn? Maybe there's a particular person in this group of mentors who have raised their hands that they would like to do this. That's something they can offer. We've talked about permission in the past. Yeah. It is so incredibly powerful to say, Hey, I want to pull you off the phone. I want to give you time to learn and grow and mentor. And it does not have to be me. Who do you yeah. want to work with, grow with? Who do you already have a relationship within an organization? Uh, maybe it's human resources and that's your dream job. And you want to start to learn and pick up or job shadow in another area. That's powerful. Maybe it's just who impresses you. I mean, the, the woman that I was speaking about earlier, she she was impressive to me. You you truly I mean, the guy that talked about her first was a guy that had been told to fuck off by her. And he was like, she's awesome. <laughs> and I was impressed. Like, I got to hunt this lady down and see if she's willing to teach me some shit because that's cool. That's funny. There, there's got to be a joke in here somewhere about uh a disclaimer that we need to put in anytime we say something like that, where it's like, hey, this does not represent your HR for your company. Please do not tell your fellow employees to fuck off. <laughs> you know, or these opinions are our own. <laughs> these opinions are our own. Listen, I believe one should always have a fuck off chambered. <laughs> that doesn't mean, and that's not my joke. That's Adam Carolla's joke, but I agree with it. And I got to tell him that in person that I agree with it. And I loved that. That doesn't mean that you should fire it at every chance you get. It just means you should always have one chambered. Anyway, we're going to move on. No, no, wait, we're going to chicken walk. When okay. did you meet Adam Carolla? Uh, I went to one of his shows with my brother and, and you actually got a chance to talk to him. I got Yeah. He was doing a book signing. I like, I like you more now. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, what, because I go to shows? Because <laughs> I crawl out from under my rock once because, in a while? Because you have the huevos to actually walk up to Adam Carolla and be like, hey, can I get a second? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, he was doing a book signing, so, like, there's a line of people. We're all going up, walking up to Adam Carolla. So you stood in line and you earned the I time. I stood in line and I earned the time and I said, you know what? Something that you taught me that I will always remember is uh, how you, you know, you advocate to always have a fuck off chamber. I love that and I've always remembered that. And you know what his response was? <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was, <laughs> it was perfect. It was exactly what I wanted out of the experience. He signed my book. Joy was had by all. <laughs> Fantastic. Going back to the mentor thing, if you're getting paired with somebody just because you don't know the person and just because you're being vetted and it's a little bit stilted and not organic doesn't mean you can't get anything out of it. I have had a situation like this as well. Um, because I was a performer at my level, I got asked, we're doing a corporate or executive mentorship kind of thing. So I got partnered with a guy who was a couple levels above me. I got some great stuff out of him. I learned through the experience that he was not going to be an ongoing mentor for me because we had some real big differences in values. 
his big thing was you got to track everything and you got to write everything down. And I'm like, no, I have conversations with my people. That's how I know what's going on. You know, he would ask, well, how do you know how your people are doing if you're not looking at this system and watching all of their notes that they're putting in? Like I talk to them. That's how I know. And I generate an environment where it's okay for them to tell me the truth and it's okay to make mistakes. And so they're not likely to lie. Yeah, I can write anything I want in a box. Yes, you can. So anyway, we, we were not destined for uh, perpetuity, but we did some things. I got some, uh, actually, real quick, chicken walk. I did get a really funny example, a really, a really funny story out of it at one point. Uh, I joined him at some point for dinner and he, he brought his son who was, I don't know, 11, 11 or 12 at the time. But the boy looked young. He was small. He was baby faced. He looked much younger than a preteen. And we walk into the spaghetti factory and <laughs> the, um, the hostess asks if he wants like paper and crayons, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the kid menu man. and his dad lost his mind and just cracking up. And as we're walking to the table, like the, the hostess quickly realized her mistake and, you know, apologized and everything. And his dad's like, he's like, you know what? You might want to go ahead and bring the crayons anyway. Like he might get bored. And in the back, the kids, yeah, I'm going to take him into the bathroom and start writing on the wall. <laughs> the kids following us, like the hostess is leading us. And then it's the guy and then me and his kids in the back. And I can hear from the back, his kid going, I don't deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> At 12. <laughs> At 12, 11 or 12. Like it was, it was golden. Anyway. So all that to say, there's things that you can get out of mentorships, even when they have sort of been, even if it's sort of like an arranged marriage kind of thing. I apologize if that's a trigger for anybody, <laughs> but if it's an arranged mentorship, you can still get stuff out of it. I did get a plenty, plenty out of this guy. Yeah. Perspective's important. And this, this reminds me of a Simon Sinek story where he was matched with somebody that he did not get along with. Mm. Uh, he, I believe used the words I did not care for. Mm. And the feeling was mutual. That's a nice way of saying I hated his guts. <laughs> the thing that it, the thing that manifested in putting them together, and I, I think he may have actually commented that his manager may have been brilliant in the moment, was the the very thing that he was weak at, that he had the most fear of being shamed or embarrassed about, was the thing that the other individual was incredibly strong at, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. When they were forced to be in the same space and work together and have a discussion, they gained each other's perspective, and it made both of them better. Even though, you know, they they really they didn't get along beforehand. The reason they didn't get along was because what he didn't do drove the other one nuts. What the other one did or didn't do drove him nuts. Mm. They didn't care for each other at a personal level because it was exposure to their own vulnerabilities. That was the brilliant move by a manager of, eh, I'm going to take these two people who are polar opposites and put them together. And you will you will learn something if you're looking to learn something. And I've done that. I have purposefully put people together knowing full well that they were going to push each other's buttons for that very reason. I don't think I could have put it nearly as eloquently as you just did. I think in my head, I just went, this seems like a good idea. I I can't remember who you credited this to, but I've always credited it to you because it's where I heard it. Uh, We were going into some sort of corporate training and it was one of those like, we could probably be teaching this. And Mm. your insight in that moment was whenever I go into one of these all day trainings or a two day training. I'm just looking for one thing. I'm looking for one gift that I can take and that I can learn from and, and grow. So where's the, where's the one thing? Yes. The, the one thing can be anything. If it gives you an idea, if it gives you a question to start asking, 
if it gives you an observation of coworkers that you didn't have before, if you, whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are, that are options, but yeah, I, I firmly believe that because we, we would do in a BDC, big dumb company. If you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't heard any of the previous <laughs> podcasts, BDC, big dumb company, you have to go through trainings. Anybody right now who's listening, who know you guys know you, you have to do the same web-based trainings over and over and over year after year. You have to learn the sexual harassment's bad. You have to learn what the, what the, what the regulations are. You have to learn all this stuff over and over. But in addition to that, sometimes they'll put you through training that you don't fucking need. <laughs> and like Josh said, sometimes they're putting you in one that you and your team could be teaching. And they're like, you got to go through the training because we're putting everybody through the training because we're a BDC and we're robots and everybody has to do the same thing. So, so then you got to find the silver lining. You got to find something to get out of that. Thank and you, Chandra. You, thank you, Chandra. <laughs> if you're on the hunt for something that you can get out of it, it's a different experience instead of going instead of putting your head in your hands and doodling on whatever and waiting until the hours are done that you can leave instead you're scanning the room and you're dialed in because now all of a sudden you're looking for something to learn to talk about to whatever it's it's just a it's just a way maybe it's not the way but it's a way a lot of people will throw around the phrase having a growth mindset yes uh if you were going to boil that all the way down you know, and, and it's funny because I want to do a callback. You know, we just mentioned Chandra. Chandra was a peer of mine, also worked for Max. She was absolutely a mentor of mine. And it's the type of thing where, you know, she coined, I think, was it Chandra that actually coined that phrase? Find silver the one lining. thing, the silver lining. Well, well she, I mean, she, silver, silver lining. lining's been around for she a little didn't coin while. Silver lining. One, the find the one thing was my thing. The silver lining was her influence on the team was like, stop being such negative Nancy's yeah. Debbie Downers. The, the point Poor is... Poor Nancy and Debbie, by the way. They got a real bad rap. Yeah. With their alliteration. The point of the whole discussion uh, around mentorship is growth. It is having that growth mindset. It is finding... Maybe it's just that one thing. Maybe you're lucky enough to have a mentor where there's lots of perspective to be gained, and, and that's where things get really good. But let's flip this thing on its ear, too. As a mentor, unequivocally... Because it forces you to actually look at your intent and your dynamics, the relationship, your expectations, your standards, who you are and how you do your work. It makes you stop and pause and go, how do I explain this to somebody else? Mm -hmm. I have never had an experience where mentoring somebody else or groups has not led to a deeper understanding of who I am, what I'm about, what my own values are, and it refines that self-reflection and process and perspective, you will become a better leader by practicing, by mentoring other people. Don't shy away from it. Even if it's somebody who you feel is broken, meet them where they are at. Have those crucial conversations. Just simply go through that process. You'll always get more out of it. It's one of the benefits of being a leader, I would say, is that you get to learn at a much more exponential rate than if you are a sole contributor. This was introduced to me at a very early stage when I was being chosen to lead a team that all of whom had more experience than me. And I was concerned. I've, I've mentioned this particular experience before, but there, this is another facet of it. I was concerned about taking this leadership role because all these people knew the job better than I did. But I was being chosen for leadership because I was better at it than them. Not technically, 
from a performance standpoint. So was, you had imposter syndrome, but somebody saw your potential because of your growth mindset and the fact that you were going to develop the skills and close those gaps where other people felt like, you know, maybe they already knew everything. They knew all the software. They knew the ins and outs of the, you know, the, the app, essentially. They, they knew all the technical stuff. But they were not great at taking care of customers. They sucked at sales. They were not efficient. All of the things that I was. I was yeah. great at taking care of customers. And, and I had mastery over the performance metrics. So that's why I got chosen for this job. And I, and I asked the person who was selecting me for this, I'm going to feel foolish because they're not, they can't come to me for the technical questions. And he said, you've only been learning from your own mistakes up until now. The minute you take over this role, you will be learning from 10 other people's mistakes or more, depending on how big we build the team. You're going to get questioned. Whether you know it or not is fine. Every time they ask you a question, you'll find, eventually you'll find the answer. And then you'll get that person's answer plus this person's plus this person's. And then you are learning at an exponential rate. And he was not kidding. I don't know why that was such a foreign concept to me in my late 20s, but he was right. Yeah. God damn it. He was right. I, I learned at some point I knew more than almost everybody there within a year. I mean, actually I was doing that position for nine months. So probably within a half a year, I knew at least as much as the people who had been doing the job for two years longer than me, because I was learning from all of their mistakes and questions instead of just my own, yeah. which is one of the beauties of also being a mentor. If you're mentoring people, they're going to bring your, their situations to you. And like you just said, you now you have to go, well, how would I handle that? Or how should I, how should I describe this? Because the way I would handle it feels a little bit natural. And now you have to put it into words so that this person can learn how to do it and maybe be natural themselves. Yeah. This, this idea of developing yourself as a leader so it's a nice talked, segue. That's that's where we're going. Yeah, next. and we we talked about epic fails, learning from others' failures, even though they're, you know, in this case, a subordinate. But you have to learn with them to answer these questions. But you were, in my mind, talking about imposter syndrome, which mm-hmm. is kind of a flashy catchphrase right now. Very trendy. But here's the be all end all: when you're a leader and you see the potential in somebody else, if you wait until they're ready to be a leader to make them a leader, you will be waiting forever. You, as a leader, need to take them and have them mentor appear on the team, work with somebody else, do coaching, do training, have them come in in one of your your meetings, weekly meetings, have them train a segment that they're excellent in, that they're confident in, that they don't have imposter syndrome around, and train others. Maybe three or four people already know it, and they're like, oh, yawn, I'm not getting my one thing. But the majority of the team may be able to draw from that and they're getting the experience of development by by having a leader who had the foresight to say, you have the leadership qualities. I'm going to put you in the position to learn really quickly and close some of those skill gaps. Telling you right now, if you if you see somebody with leadership potential and you wait until they're and I'm air quoting for those of you listening, ready (laughs) <laughs> no, you, you've got to put them in the position of development and it will engage anybody at any level when you put them in that position because growth is what drives us. And you're talking about a much better way of doing it than a way I have done it in the past. I've, I've had to learn the hard way. You can put somebody into a leadership position before they think they're ready and then they may fumble along and trip over themselves and create a wake of disaster on their way to fulfilling their potential or you can, what you're suggesting, give them a little taste, give them a little piece, a little a little yeah. task, a something that gives them an opportunity 
to flex these new muscles or flex muscles they have. They just haven't really gotten to showcase them before. There's, there's ways to do it. There's, there's ways to mentor that ease somebody into something within our, with our current environment. It's much nicer. It's much more accepted to ease somebody into something than it is to just go, well, I think you're ready. Go because it's just, it's not conducive anymore. That used to be a thing you could get away with. And that doesn't mean it wasn't a mistake. It was a mistake for me. I, I pushed somebody into a role I thought they were ready for. And the guy was a tragedy. Everybody learns. Everybody makes mistakes. Josh, your way is more conducive to allowing somebody to ramp up. And it builds confidence. It builds confidence. Yeah. Pushing into leading yourself. And, leading I, and yourself. I think... I think this is a great segue into switching gears from developing a team and that team culture to what do we as leaders, we should be self-leading if we're, if we're a leader mm-hmm. uh, and seeking out what, what kind of things do you do, for instance, to, to grow? I read a lot of books. I've read dozens and dozens of improvement books, whether that's how to be a better leader, how to be more healthy, how to be a better person. As a matter of fact, very relevant to what we're talking about here is I actually I'm, I'm in the middle of reading Principles, technically again, um, by Ray Dalio. And that book is incredible. There There is not a single page that doesn't have something that I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I shouldn't be writing. Highlighter heavy. <laughs> Highlighter. Like, I don't, I don't, it's, the book is still pristine. I don't want to mark it up, but I do. <laughs> I always have a notebook next to me when I'm reading that book. One of the things that he talks about is believability. Believability is a thing that you hopefully achieve, especially as a mentor. Here's the definition of believability according to Ray Dalio. A person who has accomplished a thing very well at least three or more times so that when you go to have a discussion with them about this thing, you can assume they know what they're talking about because they have accomplished it well multiple times. Right. Somebody who's done it well once, that could have been a stroke of luck, could have been right time, right place could have been somebody else and they deserve the credit and nobody knows. But if this person has accomplished a thing exceptionally three times or more, they are now believable on this topic. That's really what you're looking for. If if you're looking to lead yourself and you're looking for mentors, you are looking for somebody with believability in the thing that you are after and in, in the skill set you're after and the thing you're trying to learn, whatever it is. Sometimes uh, you're, you're going to work for somebody who isn't that person there are there are plenty of things that I'm not that great at and I have always encouraged anybody working for me if I don't have a particular skill set I will be extremely honest with you about it and I will hopefully have some direction for you to go like I'm I'm not so good at x but I do know this person has a good reputation I'm not saying they should be your mentor I'm saying you should go interview them and see if you have a relationship possibility with them and then go explore that with them. And if you find a connection and it feels chemically good or it feels like the right thing, however you want to describe it. And we as, we as leaders need to be vulnerable enough to say, this isn't my jam. This is somebody else's and open that door. Talk to your peer about whether or not they would be interested in mentoring. You know, I have this person on my team. They're excelling. There's a couple of places where they see gaps and I think you're the right person to fill it because, you know, I'm vulnerable enough to say this, this is not a strength for me mm-hmm. and make that introduction and then you leave it alone. You, you let them take it from there. It needs to grow organically. Uh, a forced mentorship is, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast topic. Yeah. 
I've I've had to tell multiple people just because your person doesn't want to talk to you about this thing, it's not a slight on you as a leader. It's acknowledging that you've been truthful with them or you have you've been vulnerable with them that they 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 can see that this is not a skill set of yours and they want to go improve this thing the boss that i had at the time when i wanted to go learn from the other individual who could tell people brutal honest things and still be respected that wasn't the boss that i had at the time she yeah. didn't i did, she didn't have that skill set any more than i did she was much more a toe the line kind of person and, and she had nothing to offer me because that is not who i am and I never wanted to learn how and to the, And the more. podcast is named Authority Optional. Optional. Yeah. Mentors can be based on, and you're gonna, you're, you've already heard this word a lot, you're going to hear more, context. It depends on what you're looking for. It depends on how you want to receive that information. It depends on ways that you might receive that information that maybe you don't understand or know yet. You might need multiple mentors. As a matter of fact, I would encourage, encourage that. that. Yeah. Have multiple people that you go to for different things because everybody's going to have different skill sets and different things that they really excel at or are believable in. Nobody's believable in everything. Just nobody. So have multiple mentors. It's okay. And also going back a couple of steps, like allow for the people that work for you to have multiple mentors. It's just going to make them better. And if you are comfortable with that, you are securing yourself to allow them to get knowledge and information outside of your own limited resources, you're going to be that much more of an encouraging leader and yeah. you're, you're going to develop loyalty. They're, they're going to see that you know you're not perfect, which we've talked about. If you try to portray that you are perfect, you're lying and we all know it in our bones. That's not authentic. <laughs> yes. So multiple, multiple mentors is likely to be the way that you go. If you, if you can, it's not always available to you, but you should try. So one other touch point for this, at least, at least for me, a lot of times when we think of things like mentorship or growth, we think, oh, well, I need to work on my weak areas. Mm. So if you've gone through Clifton Strengths again, if you've listened to anything, you've heard me say this beforehand, um, Strengths Finder, what it used to be called. The whole idea behind that is they're all strengths. It's how you leverage them and how you use them. You can spend 80%, 90% of your time working on your weaknesses, trying to close those gaps. But if they're not intrinsic to who you are and how you like to work, so it's a waste of time in comparison to taking your top five, plus maybe even the next five, which make your top 10, which are the influencers, and actually building that strength. You, you take that to a completely different level. So when you're looking to mentor someone, don't look to say, hey, Max, you're not very good at this and I want you to work with so-and-so who is really good at this. Now, there are times where that's necessary. When you put me with Chandra and it was the idea of administrative tasks and getting more organized and she had a great metho methodology. Quick aside, I did not assign you to Chandra. Yes. You came to me and said, I need help with this thing. And I said, this is a person who could do you well. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for the, the credit that I was vulnerable enough to say, hey, boss, um, mm -hmm. I'm not good at this. The whole context of this, though, it doesn't have to be fixing where things are broken. Mentorship in the areas where you're already strong and you want to learn and you want to grow, those are the things where if you put your energy into that, it takes on a whole new dynamic of, a, of becoming a superpower. It's what you want to do and how you want to do it and engagement and connection 
it, it lights a fire like nothing else. There are times where you have to address something, but more often than not, you're wasting your time because you intrinsically have no interest in figuring that out. And that's how teams balance each other and things to look for as a leader in different people's strengths. Putting people on a task force, for instance. Yeah, if you're going to have somebody who's an extroverted, connected communicator that's not very well organized, you probably should have somebody who has a ranger analytical and the other pieces. Um, God, God bless you if they all have responsibility because then they you. just that's, take it. That's my favorite. They, they take it so seriously and the, it's, it's fantastic. The people who have complimented me the best have historically often had responsibility in their top five. Yeah. Um, the, the aforementioned legendary Chandra is one of those. So you just touched on something that I, I, I'm glad you mentioned it because it's where I was going to go with it, which is the whole point behind leveraging your strengths is if you are a leader, you are in innately part of a team. You're leading a team. There are other people that are, that are reporting to you. You have a team. You don't have to be good at everything. If you think you have to be good at everything, you're just wrong. You're, you're wasting your time. And at some point, somebody's going to figure it out and call your bluff and you're going to have to fumble and, you know, maybe lie your way through something. There's no need. You just got, you know, that's not my, it's not my strength. It's not my wheelhouse. Owning that is part of being vulnerable, which we've talked about before. If this is the first time you're listening to our show, we've talked greatly about vulnerability before. We're going to talk more about it again, how critical it is to be honest. That's really what it boils down to. You're just being honest with people. Since you're a leader, you are therefore part of a team. Leverage your team for their strengths as much as you possibly can. If you're in a particular leadership role where the vast majority of your team is doing something that doesn't allow for a lot of back and forth communication all day long, let's say, for instance, you're in a contact center and your team is on the phones, that doesn't mean you can't leverage your team for their strengths. It gets easier when you're leading leaders because they're probably not on the phones and they have more of an ability to communicate at will whenever it is convenient for them. But with that convenience comes complication because anybody who's in a leadership position is has if it's not a Peter principle and they weren't shoved into this position, they're probably some version of an alpha and that creates a complication. And I'm going to go you know what I'm going to avoid going down this whole path. Just know what what we're talking about here is Discover your strengths, leverage those strengths, get them better, optimize them, and then let other people know and be honest about what those strengths are and what are not and let the team do its thing. And if you have to create something like a task force, talk to people, get to know them, find out what their strengths are, find out if they have responsibility in their top five and join you as a person who has ideation in your top five and go, I need you because you're way more likely to finish this thing than I am. I'm going to come up with the idea and it's going to sound really great and flashy, but I'm going to drop it like a bad habit in two weeks when I get sick of it. Cause I have another idea. I need somebody with responsibility or some other kind of execution skill or talent theme that is going to go, Oh, we're not done with this other thing. Great. Can you finish that? <laughs> so I got more ideas. That's just one example. Yeah. You're, you're, you're showing balancing yourself, I'm going to do a tie back. So in some of the previous episodes where we're talking about how to engage employees, getting to know them and and some of those pieces, this is absolutely at the core of it. And if you are able to mentor them, even in the one-on-ones where you're talking about the things that you see, where something rubs them the wrong way and you ask about emotional doors and say, do you want to walk through this door, right? 
the payoff in this, the the transparent piece, and there's there's two sections of this. If you want to see somebody bloom, become engaged, start moving towards leadership, treat them like a leader. Mm-hmm. The expectations that you have of the way that anybody on the team would conduct themselves, but when you give them those pieces of leadership, when you ask them to speak in meetings, not just in the meeting go, hey, Max, could you give us your opinion on something? You set them up for success. Hey, in the next meeting, you're really good at this. I would like you to talk about this with the team. I'm going to ask you, and if you want to, we can put together a presentation. We can do the audio visual. We can have the projector set up. We can do it any way that you want to, but I really feel like you know two-thirds of the team would really benefit from the way you do X and put them in that position. At some point, we will cover how to really appropriately set someone up in a situation like this because the announcement or the setup of somebody can make the biggest difference between whether or not they succeed or fail or whether or not they felt like they succeeded or failed. Yeah. But then the second item on this, the, the really transparent piece is we're not just doing this for the employee. It, it is, it's accurate, but some of the things we've discussed in the past about being able to hand this over to, for instance, in the the environment that we were in, we had a team lead who was essentially the in-between, not necessarily on the phones sometimes, but more often than not, they were coaching, they were training, they were your your right hand or your left hand if you're left-handed because, you know, diversity is important. <laughs> it's a situation that that really merits this idea of the freedom and the autonomy for you to grow and lead. Where do you find the time to do things like that? You find the time because you're not spending all of your waking hours trying to figure out how to solve people's problems. You're giving them tools to figure out how to solve them for themselves. You're putting them in a position where they're empowered and they're leading other people because maybe they have the skill set. And it's amazing when you're vulnerable enough that you can look at your own team who work for you, more air quotes, they work with you. They can be amazing at something that you suck at. Put them with somebody who needs to grow. You can't teach it to them because you suck at it, but their peer can teach it. You're giving them a development opportunity. You're alleviating hours of work for yourself. In that instance, you are creating this machine. When we people joke, uh, yeah, my team is a well-oiled machine. You actually can go on vacation because if something happens, your team lead is empowered. Your your actual team is empowered to and help each contact. other. Yeah. You've developed a culture where if somebody's getting out of line, people go, hey, that's not the way we do things here. Just because Josh or Max are gone for a week because they're on vacation doesn't mean we're going to start slacking. Right. And they balance each other out. They help each other. Um, it almost becomes a sibling relationship. Mm-hmm. They can give each other more crap than anybody else ever will. But when it hits the fan, they're going to take care of each other. They're absolutely going to protect each other. Yeah. So the payoff there, the transparent piece is, yeah, it makes less work for you because you're creating something that is self-sustaining and that's them learning how to lead themselves. So the last part of this is if you want to build this for your team, you have to start with yourself. This is this is going to be a concept that you you will hear throughout if you guys follow along with us and you like what you're hearing. Lead yourself first. It always comes first. If you are completely out of control in your own life, you have no business telling somebody else how to get their shit together. It's just nobody you're not believable. 
that we go back to believability. If you can't get your own stuff under control, how on earth are you going to educate somebody else? You could, you could throw at me the thing like, well, the mechanic's car never works. Yeah, but that's a trope. I'm not sure that that's actually true. This is interesting because you, you have so many people who may be listening to the podcast. They're a manager. They're buried. They, they probably are overburdened. They may be doing two roles at once. These are the types of things where you sit down at your schedule, make leadership and mentorship important. Schedule one-on-ones with your team. 20 minutes, a half an hour. God bless you if you're able to pull them off the phone for an hour a week because, um, or two sessions of a half an hour, but schedule it in. Thusly, schedule time for yourself. This could be controversial in some places, I absolutely, working for you, scheduled time for myself with a sign that said, do not interrupt. And I was sitting in my cubicle reading the book that was giving me development. So it was something that didn't necessarily have to be done at home, at night, on my own time, taking away from my kids, my wife, my family, and and the true balance of life. Don't be afraid of that. If you have a leader that's like, hey, you need to read this book because it'll make you better. That to me is permission to do that on the clock because it's making me better at my job. Yes. And you want to create that culture. Now, call centers are different. Maybe they can't do that. But this discussion of how do we mentor folks, you have to give them permission to actually schedule the time to learn what they need to learn. I don't know if everybody listening knows who Tony Robbins is. If you don't, Crawl out from under your rock. Crawl out from under your rock. (laughs) Also, go look him up. Probably the what might be now called the grandfather of self development because he has he he has created. He's a granddad granddad now, Um, but he's you know sixty plus and he's been doing this for forty years. He basically created the industry. Anyway, he says something specifically about scheduling, and I'm going to butcher it, and I apologize for it. But the the concept is still there. Tony's not listening. If you probably Tony's not listening. <laughs> Fair point. If you want something, that's a dream. If you write it down, that's a plan. If you schedule it, it's real. So schedule your mentorships. Hang on a second. I got to go grab my cell phone. I'll write it down later. <laughs> Fact check me. Right. No, I'm going to write it down because okay. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting though, because I think of things all the time. If I don't write a note down, I'll forget about it because I'll move on to something else. Yep. If I put it in my calendar and I get a reminder, hey, this is the 30 minutes where you have to go do X. Oh, that's completely different. Yeah, now it's real. If you want this for your team, if you want people to have the the power, the unmitigated potential of having multiple mentors, you yourself have to go get mentors. And it, that's easier than it sounds. And I'm sure everybody listening understands that but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. There's the burn the damn calories. It's worth it. And if you have been lucky enough to discover that you have some mentors in your life, go back to them, keep those relationships alive. If they're good mentors, they're not going to care about the time that's passed. They're, they're doing it for your benefit. And it's like Josh said it earlier. It's, it's symbiotic, like helping you helps them. Everybody likes the help. I wonder if, uh, for the sake of context, too, like obviously we're talking about mentorship in the realm of the work that you're doing, the the team that you have, where you're where you're crossing over. That encouragement goes beyond that. If I think of mentors in in my own life, 
there are mentors that I have in my musical life that make me a, a better musician. They make me pay attention to what's happening, um, to that context of being in a band where things are moving back and forth between individuals trying to sound like one organism. Mm -hmm. But your own spirituality, if we were to talk about, I'm going to laugh at myself because I just ummed the crap out of that. Okay. Talking about spirituality and not in any particular context, I know that you've done meditation before mm -hmm. and shared the benefits of what that meditation gave you, even in the form of calm and reflex and the ability to take the breath beforehand and find the space before the reaction. Mm -hmm. There are so many different types of mentors, and I would encourage you when we talk about having multiple mentors, have mentors for your hobbies. Yes. Um, uh, I'm going to short brag. Max has made a movie before. Multiple mentors. I met mentors that Max had in the spaces around cinematography and sound recording and casting and, and so many pieces of context because my band was doing music for that and it was peripheral. But what I gained from that, my one thing was, man, hobbies. Maybe I need to take guitar lessons from somebody who's better than I am. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to actually go on a walk with a friend of mine that I haven't talked with for a long time to blow the cobwebs out because they understand me from the time I'm little to adulthood and, and can open up doors in conversation that I'm not going to get anywhere else for addressing things from, you know, whether it's trauma as a kid or whether it's actually self-improvement, um, parenting. We have mentors all over the place. You look at Instagram, you talk about influencers. Who do you listen to? What podcasts do you listen to? What books do you read? I would openly say Simon Sinek, Brene Brown, Adam Grant, they're mentors. I've never met them. They don't know me. I may never meet them. They may never know me in a perfect world. Maybe down the road, they're on this podcast. But those types of audacious dreams and goals, you have to have mentors in different spaces because that's where you get perspective. Final thought on this, that what you just said, it actually gave me, gave me, reminded me of this. Napoleon Hill, who could probably actually be considered the the pioneer of self-development, wrote Think and Grow Rich. And one of the things, boy, I hope I'm remembering this correctly, and I hope that is him. I'm pretty sure it is. He talks in the very beginning, in the very beginning of his book, he talks about choose somebody who you idolize, get to know everything about them so that you can have an imaginary conversation with that person in your head. They get to be a mentor to you regardless of whether or not you have ever met them in person. And if you just absorb everything you can about them, you might actually be able to, you know, I don't know about predict, but, but imagine what they might say to you in a situation. And ideally you're, you're, they're saying something to you that's uncomfortable or that pushes you or whatever, but this is awkward questions. This is a, this is a very old concept and it's, that's something you can do if you have no other place to, to go to find a mentor you can pick a person that you are impressed by, that you think is incredible, that accomplishes things you wish you could accomplish. With today's ac access to technology, go find out as much as you can about them. You're probably going to find out more than they would ever want you to. Put them in your head as an imaginary person that you can talk to. And I know it sounds a little crazy, but have a conversation with them in your brain. Go have a little space, meditate, conjure them up, have this conversation. Y you'd be surprised what you can get out yeah. of that. 
you know, sometimes using the, the touchstones of, for me being a parent, I, I do this in a completely different context. You know, one of, one of my core principles is be a good human. I have found in instances where it's a really hard question, and sometimes maybe there's an ethics question involved with what's the best way to handle this to not negatively affect someone, but to, to really move through something in a way that's as positive as it can be, as supportive as it can be. And I will ask self-reflected question. If my sons were coming to me with this question, how would I ask them to handle it? What would I, what would I tell them to do? What advice would I give them? Sometimes I don't like that answer. Hmm. And that's when I'm assured it's absolutely the right path forward. Hey, listeners, we are taking a different path with our podcast. We would like to go in the direction of helping you guys directly. So if you have questions, we would like to answer them. I can't promise that it's going to be great advice. You're going to get two very <laughs> different perspectives, but I can tell you that we will conjure our very best to make sure that we are giving you the best possible advice that we know to give you with our particular experience between the two of us. There's somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 years worth of leadership experience. That's got to be worth something. So if you have questions, uh, we are still working on the means to technologically be able to take the calls live. That's coming soon. In the meantime, if you are interested and you would like to be on the show or you would bare minimum, at least like an email back and forth with us, you can email us at authority optional podcast at gmail.com. That's authority optional podcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions. If you would like to be on the show, mention that we'll have a little back and forth and we will get you on the show as soon as we have the technological capability to do that.